Hello, everyone. It is once again time for Starship Podcast Warlock. My name is Drew. My name is Jeff. And we are watching Blackadder. We are up to Blackadder 3. We're on the second episode of Season 3 of Blackadder, or Blackadder 3, depending on how you designate it. The latter is probably more correct. Um, I, I thought it was funny just now that I said it's time for this podcast, because, of course, any time is time for a podcast. It's entirely in your control, dear listener. And I do mean you, uh, singular. Um, I thought we control the horizontal. I mean, there's no vertical because it's just, you know, sound waves. This is a one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, well, they do move in two dimensions. They yeah. Have an amplitude and a wavelength, right? Or something. Yes. Frequency and a wavelength. I don't know. Physics was a long time ago. Two bits. <laughs> uh, so yeah, anyway, uh, I, I might add, I'm an audio engineer for a living. Um, <laughs> well, okay. Uh, correction. I work with audio files for a living. Anyway, um, uh, like people who like audio or files that are audio? Oh, I, I process people that like audio all the time. <laughs> um, he, he, he works in a Bose store, you guys. That's that's what he means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, no. <laughs> um, I remember that. Remember stores? In case stores. <laughs> in case it, you... Is, it, is that like, like, um, like uh, Amazon but physical? Yeah, it's like it's like Amazon, but all the stuff is sort of just laid out, and you can go in and give someone money and walk out with one. It's amazing, like Instacart, but like not so Insta, <laughs> right? On on Instacart. Uh, in case it isn't obvious, we are of course still in the throes of quarantine, uh, and uh, what better way to spend it than recording a podcast about a forty-year-old? British TV show somewhere in there, 30 right? Some, Thirty something. Thirty this something. Mid mid eighties at this point, right? So mm, mid, mid to okay. late eighties. So uh. yeah. So uh, you probably have heard episodes before, and you're like, "Why is he repeating things like this?" But just in case somehow you just started with this one, we are going to be watching an episode of Blackadder Three, which you can then sync up uh, on your uh, DVD player or your streaming thing or whatever you got. Uh, before that, we're going to talk about some stuff, which I'm very excited about. And then Yay, af- stuff. I afterwards, like we're going to talk about the episode. Um, you know, the best way to enjoy an episode of Starship Podcast Warlock is to listen to all three parts. But uh, if you're hearing this, it's possible that we've figured out the thing where you can skip chapters. So if you're like, I would like to listen to Starship Podcast Warlock at the gym, which nobody goes to anymore... While you're running, while you're running, uh, then you can skip over the DVD part and maybe come back to it later by uh, whatever means you have of skipping ahead on podcasts. I don't know. I've never tried it before. This should be exciting. Uh, <laughs> it's entirely possible also that I failed and that you can't skip ahead in this one at all, in which case, my apologies. Uh, I've got nothing to add to that. Sorry. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have added it in the first place. So, uh, as promised last time, uh, we are going to talk about George the Fourth today, who is the Prince Regent, played by Hugh Laurie in Blackadder Three. Um, and as you know, uh, longtime listener, we usually uh, do a lot of extensive research, which amounts to uh, reading a Wikipedia page to you. Sometimes one that we are seeing for the very first time while we're recording. Um, 
I, I went the extra mile this time. I want you to know that I care and value you. Uh, and so this time I read the Wikipedia page and I summarized it. Oh my God. Like a Proust competition. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, S start again. <laughs> so, uh, what I have here, uh, which Jeff hasn't heard yet, uh, but maybe he knows all these things already, are 12 things I learned from the George IV Wikipedia page. I mean, I don't know what things you learned. I mean, it, um, it's a question of which things I learned, but I'm curious to see which things you learned. Uh, do you, do you, you know a lot about George IV? <laughs> not a ton. Um, not one of my favorite British monarchs or, or, <laughs> or what have you. Uh, so I expect I shall be... Surprised by some of this, even though I pulled up the Wikipedia article a grand total of one day ago. Uh -huh. um, so, uh, uh, but you probably, I did not do the summarization, so. Okay, well, it's a meaty article. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there, but it, it boils down to mainly to women, money, and uh, getting fat, I guess. I was going to say the first two could pretty much be about a lot of different monarchs. But, it's uh, true. And, and and some of the third as well, but yeah. The the Wikipedia page really focuses on those things quite a bit. Or maybe those are the things I focused on. At any rate, without further ado, here are the Fat 12 things. Monarch, honestly. <laughs> here are the 12 things I learned from the George IV Wikipedia page. Number one, uh, he got his own place at 18 where he immediately started to party hard with lots of drinking and mistresses and what Wikipedia cryptically refers to as, quote, escapades. I assume that what they're referring to are the six episodes of Blackadder 3, but they just don't specify. That that does fit. That does absolutely fit. Escapades. Although, it, mm -hmm. it doesn't, as you'll see in one of the later facts, but I like the mm -hmm. idea that maybe that was uh, the kind of escapade we're talking about and not... Maybe they're talking about a Janet Jackson song? I, I don't, I don't know. know. A, a panty raid? I mean, what did you do as mm -hmm. an escapade in the late uh, 1700s? I don't know. Anyways, uh, number two, he was a radical, for the time anyway. Uh, his dad, George III, was a conservative, and... Uh, our boy George IV was into Charles James Fox. I mean, who didn't have a poster of CJF, as we called him, on their dorm room wall? Am I right? I have Stone no idea who Fox. Charles James Fox was. <laughs> uh, the Whig leader, apparently. That's who Charles James Fox was, which sounds like a reference to RuPaul's Drag Race, but I also have never seen RuPaul's Drag Race, so I just don't know. Wow, that that I did not know. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, wow. So that's that's fact number two. Fact number three is at the age of 21, he fell for Maria Fitzherbert, uh, which I cannot hear without thinking of Bridget Jones uh, and her uh, calling her boss, Mr. Fitzherbert, tits pervert, because he's always staring at hers. And now that we've learned earned our explicit rating, I will continue. Uh, so Maria Fitzherbert was a commoner, a Catholic, and an older woman of 27. Uh, the Catholic thing, I think, was one of the biggest problems there. And uh, so they had a secret marriage, which wasn't legal because his dad didn't consent to it, approve of it, uh, you know, initiate it, well, whatever it is. Was that before his dad started talking to plants? But um, mm, I think it was, actually. Mm. Um, but it's it's hard to tell. Like, I didn't I didn't track the uh, onset of his mental illness. Yeah. Uh, but it definitely takes hold later, as we'll see. So 
he is secretly married now at the age of 21 to uh, Maria Fitzherbert, uh, and nobody knows. Uh, and this potentially could have caused a lot of problems. So apparently uh, with the whole partying thing, he was heavily in debt and kind of continued to be heavily in debt his whole life. Um, and he was trying to get a loan, I guess, from Parliament. And so in order to do that, uh, he he authorized CJF to publicly deny that he was married to Maria Fitzherbert uh, due to all that I mean, partying this, hard. Yep. This is nice that it dovetails into obviously the things that we saw in the first episode, not just, you know, with his, with his finances. And certainly mm-hmm. as, as I believe, uh, as I say, scanning the Wikipedia article right here, of course, uh, the battles with uh, William Pitt, the younger. Yes. That's, that's uh, the next fact here. Oh, but let me sorry. finish number four. No, that's fine. Right. We got a little foreshadowing there. Uh, so of course, uh, his wife was not very happy about the fact that he had, uh, had CJF publicly deny their marriage. So he had to get another guy to say it again, but a little nicer this time. I don't know if she was happy about that one, but apparently it helped. She decided not to split up with him as she was planning to do. Um, and so that brings us to number five, which as you said, is the, the scene that we saw at the beginning of last time's episode, um, with William Pitt the Younger, uh, I you know I, I wasn't listening to that speech super closely, but uh, I don't, so I don't know if it was the exact speech, but apparently one of the roles that he played was to oppose uh, George the Fourth Regency, um, saying that Parliament and only Parliament should be able to decide who the regent would be, uh, and it could be anybody as long as they picked them. Uh, and our man CJF said it's automatic that he's going to be the regent. Uh, because he's the king's son, and the king was losing his mind to porphyria, which is a hereditary disease. And I had thought of, up until I did a little more digging, that that was um, associated with vampirism, which it was, I guess. Um, but I, I guess in like some sketchy book, maybe in the 70s, drew that connection. Mm. But from the facts about porphyria, it doesn't make any sense. But We're looking at you, Anne Rice. Oh. Yes. <laughs> All right, so that's number five. Number six is uh, he he wanted help from his dad for these mounting debts of his uh, from all the escapades, um, but he would have to get married, uh, and the marriage that his dad arranged was to his cousin, Princess Caroline of Brunswick. Uh, they, they had a daughter. Uh, then they split. We've, we've certainly heard mention of Caroline of Brunswick in uh, in Blackadder at one point or another, but. Um... I'll leave it. Was it in the last episode? Uh, I believe so. Um, huh. I'm trying to remember where it pops up, but but the name definitely pops up. Um, well, I'm looking forward to that if it's if it's in our future. If not, mm-hmm. I'll have to go back. Uh, but anyway, they had a daughter together, and then they split up a year later because quote each party was unsuited to the other. I'm kind of curious about that one too. I may now have to read a biography of this dude. So that brings us to number seven, which is he had a bunch of mistresses and illegitimate kids, including Frances Villiers, or Villiers, I'm not sure which, Countess of Jersey, who, quote, dominated his life for some years, which is another intriguing phrase, uh, although I'm sure it's much more innocent than it sounds. Uh, but all of this helps explain why George is kicking around all alone in Blackadder 3, because none of his affairs were legal and his marriage was a disaster. I do feel like he was having fun, though. Yeah, I'll, I will save at least a couple of comments for uh, when we get to episodes hence. Ooh, okay, this is exciting. Um, 
anyway, yeah. Uh, right, but I mean, you know, in this opening episode, he's like kicking around his his palace or his house or whatever it is that he's mm-hmm. in with Mrs. Miggins, Blackadder, and Baldrick. It's not like he has like a court around him. It's not like he has like a wife and kids running around the place. Um, it's it's pretty Spartan in there. This bachelor pad. Mm-hmm. But he's secretly married. Well, anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, number eight. Oh, eight yes, think. number eight. When Princess Charlotte, his daughter, was eight, he tried to get custody by accusing his ex-wife of having a bastard son. Uh, and the way Wikipedia puts this is, the investigation cleared Caroline of the charge, but still revealed her behavior to have been extraordinarily indiscreet. Uh, another intriguing uh, euphemism there. Um, I don't know. Maybe it means that she didn't have a son, but she had a lot of fun. I don't know. Number nine. That uh, sounds like a song lyric. <laughs> it does a bit. Uh, this is the one I referred to earlier, which is I figure that Blackadder 3 has to take place between 1811, when George became the Prince Regent, and 1820, when he took the throne at age 57. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and in fact, um, there'll certainly be evidence in the uh, in the last episode to support that. Um, but uh, it'll also be very clear at what point that this is an alternate history, and I'll just leave it that. At that. Ooh, okay. Oh, this is really good. I'm, I'm glad I did this uh, mm. because I didn't know anything about this history, and now I'm really interested to see what happens. Um, the rest of that fact was this also means Hugh Laurie is supposed to be at least 48 in this. Uh, so I guess the, it, dramatic. Yeah, it, does not, it does not line up uh, with the history in that regard pretty well. I think they, they took his, his, uh, the idea of him being an impoverished bachelor boy and ran with it as I think they decided that that was the most comedic aspects of it, particularly mm-hmm. after the first episode. If you figure the first episode kind of, solidifies the characters right off the bat. And I think it was still a pretty strong opening in that regard. Then I I think that's what they chose to run with, which makes sense. I think it lines up with a lot of things. It totally does. Fact number 10, when he died, he was 280 pounds, uh, which I don't think is cause for calling him as Sir David Wilkie did a great sausage stuffed into the covering. But Wikipedia does not say how tall he was. And it claims his corset was made for a waist of 50 inches. I mean, I, I think also the sausage joke is, uh, or the, as they make references to, as I said, even though Hugh Laurie obviously doesn't fit the role physically, they keep throwing in comments like that in the script. I, I also think the sausage is basically um, a, a reference to his German heritage. Oh, there is that too. Uh, let's see. He survived his dissolution on laudanum, and meals like, quote, a pigeon and beef steak pie, three parts of a bottle of Moselle, which I'm not sure if that's wine or what, a glass of dry champagne, two glasses of port, and a glass of brandy. So when I read that list in the article, I was like, wow, that's a lot of food, but I realized it's actually just a lot of booze. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he died, an autopsy revealed a tumor the size of an orange on his bladder, plus an enlarged heart. I wonder how that could have happened. <laughs> Fact number 11, he changed fashion. In the Regency, he stopped wearing wigs because his political opponents were taxing wig powder. He wore darker colors to look slimmer. And I'm kind of relating to this guy, which is alarming. Hmm. And favored pantaloons and trousers over knee breeches. Because I sense your they next were Halloween costume. <laughs> yeah, I probably could. 
Uh, well, there, there you go with the with the uh, accusations of vampirism. You know, dressing in in black. I suppose. Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, but it was his dad who had the porphyria. But I yeah, assume well, maybe he inherited it too. I don't know. Just uh, the fashion sense. Anyway, he favored the pantaloons and trousers because they were looser, uh, and he popularized a high collar with a neckcloth to hide his double chin. So, in a way, he invented plus size clothing for men. Mm. <laughs> Fit for a king. Yeah. So uh, one more fact, number 12, there is a statue of him in Trafalgar Square, which on my one and only trip to London, I must have walked by a bunch of times without noticing because I was staying right around the corner. Uh, This despite the Times obituary, quote, there never was an individual less regretted by his fellow creatures than this deceased king. What eye has wept for him? What heart has heaved one throb of unmercenary sorrow? If he ever had a friend, a devoted friend in any rank of life, we protest that the name of him or her never reached us. Was it Edmund Blackadder? No, probably not. I can't wait till we get to the last episode. Um. <laughs> I, I'm so intrigued now. This is exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I learned about George IV on my summer vacation. What okay, do you think, I, I give that report card a uh, an A minus. I okay, uh, I'll I take approve. it. I approve. I'll take it. All right. Well, that's I mean that's a pretty good summary. I think there's some stuff in there about him trying to uh, help Catholics not be uh, so uh, oppressed, I guess, in England at the time. But I did twelve facts. Okay, that's enough for anybody. You know, he could have considered blowing up Parliament. Oh wait, that's been <laughs> attempted already. Never mind. V for George IV. Yeah. Doesn't work. Oh, well. Nope. We'll edit that out. Okay. No. I never edit it out. Okay. No, please. Um, Did you you want to say anything else uh, before we get into the episode? Uh, Nip, nip, nip. (laughs) Okay. I'm glad you did that. No, I think think that, uh, I think, you know... um, I added whatever I wanted as as color commentary in there, except of course to to note that in terms of the episode, without giving too much away, even though I think we are, may have already mentioned it, that um, this is uh, the third season. I think may actually have a um, a larger amount of guest stars. I th- I think even though probably the second season has my favorite guest stars, I think the third season has the largest array of them, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and um, one of them looms very large in this particular episode. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and well, that's not even a joke as to his perhaps most famous character in, in other uh, genres. But, yes. Um, uh, well, let's chat about him after the episode. Okay. Let's do that. Yeah. I think that'll be a time to do it. Leave it a mystery for those who haven't seen it or heard you tell me who it was. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll be watching the episode with you. All right, it is time to watch Ink and Incapability, second episode of Blackadder 3. Uh, we are all queued up at zero, 00 on our videos, and what happens after we press play is Edmund's face appears. If you have some extraneous material before then or an abnormally long period of, of just blackout, um, get past it, okay? Just we get past you. it. We pity you. <laughs> um 
so that we're all starting at the same time. I will say three, two, one, play. We'll start the episode and we'll laugh and comment. Ready, Jeff? One moment. Uh, oh, okay. As as things have decided to give me the spinning beach ball of death. <laughs> there we go. Talk amongst yourselves. I am back to life. Let's do this. Okay, here we go, everybody. Uh, three, two, one, play. And the eye appears, and the book... 1760 to 1827. If I'd been paying attention yesterday, I would have already known what time period we were talking about. Although we did get more mm -hmm. specific. Now, do these change the no, other books? No, they don't. They do not. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I do, I do love the conceit the way they do this. Yeah. I mean that changes obviously, but <laughs> that's my weekends. <laughs> I think he does want to spend some time with Wobble Bottoms. <laughs> Bottles don't wobble like that often. <laughs>
<laughs> Sired by a dwarf. That's a Gilbert and Sullivan joke, folks. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Robbie Coltrane. Little Mrs. Malaprop here. Steady on, Princey. <laughs> 
I think the word hero is in there. <laughs> what?
Like a scythe. That's where the Dark Knight stuff came from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for those Gilbert and Sullivan fans, I'm going to go watch Patience now. <laughs> One of Shaw's, one of Shaw's. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha. 
Another Lady Hamilton reference. <laughs> Reminds me of a certain Saturday Night Live routine.
You know, they said he was witty. Wobbly thing. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
Rick Britton. <laughs> and the love affair with turnips continue. Yep. <laughs> I forgot about this ending. The audience has caught on. Yep. Ah, <laughs> uh, very good. Mm -hmm. Very well done indeed. I do love how the audience caught on so quickly on that. Uh, you can you can hear it. And I mean, you know, and of course, they do a good job of echoing the earlier exchange, just in case you haven't quite gotten it yet. But right. Well, I, I do have to admit that this is such a weird musical ending to it me. It is weird. Some, you know, okay, they have this, but then they have the obvious 80s instruments pop up in there, too. It's mm -hmm. It's always strange to me. Um, well, I'll talk about it in our post commentary. Okay. Pop it in the post. Adder. All right, then it is time to talk about ink and incapability. Uh, the episode we just watched, um, Jeff, what did you think of it? I uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, of course, I, I remember this episode pretty well. Um, and maybe it's familiarity breeds content, but I, I didn't giggle at it quite as much as I have in the past. Um, I, I have a soft spot for this episode partially because, I mean, it's an old running gag of, of uh, pulling out imaginary words. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm uh, reminded, of course, of the very early Simpsons episode where, where they coined the word cromulent, uh, which is actually ended up into the lexicon. And oh my uh, God. 
and, and you know, I mean that. I mean, go figure. Shakespeare coined a hell of a lot of them. Just you know, people make up words, and it ends up fitting into um, to modern world. Our uh, campus humor magazine, um, University of Rochester, the norm, not ordinary reading material. May it rest in peace. Uh, we had come up with, I think it was Greg Stevens actually, who had come up with the word covetous. <laughs> and and we found every single excuse we possibly could to throw it into every single um, issue somehow. Good so, Lord. Uh, it does so, sound convincing. So, yeah, it does. So, you know, and, and there's, is it, it's not categories, but I mean, there there's, you know, there are games where the joke is to come up with a made-up word or you have three out of four words and one of them is made up and, and mm-hmm. try and fake everybody else into what the real word is versus the, the fake ones. Like, I mean, I, I love those sorts of games um, and, and that sort of wordplay. And, and, you know, Blackadder thrives on, I mean, yeah, there, there's some stuff that's kind of uh, low, but a lot of what I enjoy about the show is its wit and its turn of phrase. And so it feels, it, it feels only natural to have somebody uh, like Samuel Johnson that's supposed to be a natural wit and works with words to fit in as a uh, as an episode. I, I, I don't actually feel like it's the most wittiest put-downs of, uh, of all the episodes. I mean, he has the running gag of, you know, is like a dog with blank. But, um, mm-hmm. but, but uh, like, I feel like, um, you know, I, I feel like it's a fitting subject for, uh, it's definitely a fitting su- subject for, um, for this series. And yeah. of course, Robbie, Robbie Coltrane and Robbie Coltrane, you know, has the, you know, of course, um, you know, uh, most people, uh, I suppose nowadays modern will think of him as, uh, as Hagrid in, in Harry Potter, but it's interesting in this case where he just plays the, you know, essentially the wet stick in the mud, um, character that others play off of, but, um, it, it's, it, he's still brilliant watching him do his particular, uh, Bits, you know, they say the straight man has the the thankless role, but he he plays it very well. His timing is is perfect. Um, yeah, you don't and, often see him uh, in intellectual parts. I suppose uh, people tend to cast him for his stature and size, and and it's kind of nice to see him do something different here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. What did you think? I enjoyed it a lot. Um, uh, a lot more than I remembered. It's. Uh, I think part of the reason is that um, the Blackadder character gets to be so nuanced here. Like in Blackadder 2, when he's like talking to Baldrick and Percy and when he's talking to the Queen and uh, Lord Melchett, I mean, his, his, uh, his forthrightness is a little bit different, but kind of his his attitude doesn't visibly change as much as it does here between him talking to Baldrick and the prince and, and other people. And so you see him do that, that kind of like low purring sort of like uh thing when he's talking to the prince and a little bit more like the black we're used to when he's talking to Baldrick and so on. Uh, it's, it's kind of a really nice contrast and variety. Yeah. The, he's very, he's very deferential to, to people that are higher status than him and the fact that he's a butler now and not a courtier obviously mm-hmm. brings his status a little lower as as part of that. But it's it, it's interesting how well controlled he is um, with those people versus, as you said, with Baldrick and, and Mrs. Miggins when he reacts with her as well, where that sort of stuff all comes out. It's true. Um, yeah, it's absolutely. a really, really nicely modulated performance. I think the thing that, that I started to feel like was happening in this series, and it, I do see a little bit in this episode, is um the dialogue 
there's definitely like sort of showboating moments for him where it's like, okay, take a breath. I'm going to do a long insult in like several phrases and like the rhythm of it feels a little bit uh, like a party piece. You know what I mean? Um, It's true. I mean, I I think, oh, oh, do the thing, do the insult thing, the long elaborate insult thing. They have figured out what seems to work and it's become a bit in, in places. It's where it becomes a little formulaic and potentially and potentially stale in a little bit. That that is a little bit of a risk with this, and and sometimes I think less creative than in the previous uh, series. But when it works, it's still it's still utterly mm-hmm. brilliant. Some of my favorite insults come from this particular series. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, you know, obviously the the well. One of the things I also like about it related to his character is the revelation that he's taken seven years to write a novel, um, which is a kind of ambition that. It feels like he didn't have time for in the other seasons. You know, those characters are not really, uh, I mean, they're ambitious, but not in quite the same way. They don't have these kind of like secret inner lives in a sense, you know? This one, this one feels more intellectual in Mm -hmm. general. He does. And that's, and that's not a knock against two being not smart or anything like that too. But this, this one, no, it's true that this one, um, well, he definitely feels more refined, certainly. Mm -hmm. Um, I think uh, <laughs> the casting of the poets is a little strange. Uh, like, I think Byron is supposed to be fairly seductive, and, and he's kind of a, a thug in this one. Um, you know, most most Byrons that I've seen will go will go one of two ways. They will go with either, like you said, the, the um, uh, certainly the, the uh, Casanova type, uh, or they'll go with more of the, the rough and rambunctious and, and potentially... And they, it's clear which side they leaned into this one because they mm-hmm. they needed it, I guess. And I, I guess if he'd been taking too much focus off of uh, off of Johnson, they wouldn't have wanted that, I suppose. But um, mm-hmm. no, it's true. I, I think they could have done more with him. And and you know, Shelley gets one good line, I guess. But that's about it for the most part. <laughs> yeah, he's he's very amusingly like uh, dissolute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Coleridge is there, so that's nice too. Um, it's fun to see them all kind of together in this. Uh, pie shop, I guess, coffee shop, I, whatever it is, Mrs. Minkins runs. It's almost funny. Like I want to see the adventures of you know, almost like the Three Musketeers <laughs> in a way. I, I want to see the event, uh, the adventures of the boisterous poets. Hmm. I only want to see if if Byron's hot. I'm so, sure there could be casting jobs <laughs> done for that. I'm sure. Uh, let's see. What else can I say about this? Uh, yeah, I really, really liked it. I'm I'm becoming uh, sensitive to the fact that I. I really like the last one I've seen of these a lot. So when we get around mm-hmm. to ranking them, I'm going to have to be careful to uh, kind of reevaluate yeah. in light of the whole season. But uh, so far, uh, 33% of the way through this season, and I really like it a lot better yeah, than here, I remembered. I was also going to say that despite the fact that we're whittled down to essentially three main characters, it's interesting that in this case, by getting rid of the Percy, that you essentially, uh, the Regent is taking the Percy role, except for the fact mm-hmm. that in this case, Blackadder is deferential to him, although obviously taking enough um, swipes at him that he's too stupid to realize. Uh, but uh, but it's it's interesting to see the fact that that role gets fulfilled in that sort of way. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to see you're enjoying the series. I know that you had your, um, your doubts about it, but... Um, yeah, but I, I mean... I definitely the fun thing about him as Percy is that, you know, in the Percy role is that in this case, 
Edmund kind of has to listen to him. He kind of has to mm-hmm. humor him where he never really had to humor Percy. He just kind of yep. like threw in barbs. But in this case, he's sort of forced to deal with this very, you know, kind of stupid right. character. Th- that's what I'm saying. That That's, that's yeah. the brilliant change in the dynamic. And it's not like he didn't have to suffer the whims of Queenie whenever Queenie was mm-hmm. getting, you know, homicidal. Although in some cases he obviously was attracted to her and loved playing with those sorts of things as well. You know, that's, it's a different story with, uh, with George and it, and it plays with a very different, uh, dynamic in a way, you know, in a way, Percy was almost a little bit superfluous because you have, right. You had, you have two idiots, although, uh, one is a high, one is a, um, a high born idiot and the other one's a low born idiot. But, um, but, yeah, I, I, you have a triangle of characters in this case, and and like it feels like it's pared down to its essentials in mm-hmm. that regard. Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, I think the thing I was going to say during the credits uh, is that one of the things I read about George in the Wikipedia was that you know it, it seems like even the people who didn't like him considered him kind of witty and sophisticated, and that he was a good sort of like raconteur and everything like that. And of course, this one's a dum dum. So it's funny to see that difference, but like, clearly this is a better choice. Oh yeah. Um, that's true. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, this is, um, uh, the first of, of many of, uh, of great guest stars for this particular series. Mm -hmm. Uh, although, although I think probably the next episode has the best assortment of, um, of, uh, uh, guest stars, which I, I can't wait to get to. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, We will do it, of course, in the next episode of Starship Podcast Warlock. You can find us on Twitter at Starship Warlock. Um, If you'd like to get in touch with us, that's the best way to do it. We would love to hear from you about things you like about the episode. We don't want to hear about the things you don't like. I but, do. You know, whatever. I, I'm a anyway. for punishment. <laughs> I just uh, want so, attention. So address Talk. the things you don't like to Jeff. Address the things you do like to me. Um, and what else do I have to say? That's pretty much it. Uh, you know, like, and subscribe. Is that a thing for podcasts? I don't know. Don't do that. It's like share and enjoy. (laughs) Share and enjoy. Um, Mm -hmm. you, I guess you can rate us on various platforms, but you know, I I don't know. Ratings are so overrated. So, uh, Uh, I I think you can rate us on a score of five to five. Yes. Yes. I mean, you got to keep the scale small to really see the differences, uh, in in ratings. So absolutely true. That is the way to go. We will be back with the next episode of Blackadder three. Uh, till then this has been starship podcast warlock. And I did it again. I said this name of the thing when we were going to say it together, we'll say our names together. Here we go. Um, uh, I'll, I'll say my name is, and you say drew, and then you'll see, say my name is, and I'll say Jeff. Here we go. My name is, Drew. Huh? <laughs> I think I didn't get it. <laughs> you have to clear these things with me beforehand. Uh, my hasty instructions were not enough. No. I feel certain that this is the part of the episode that everybody likes the best. Um, and when I it's, say I feel certain, I mean I'm certain that they don't. You know, I, I know that there's some shows where you put bloopers after the episode, but like in this case, we deliberately make our bloopers all at the end of the episode. So yeah, it just works out that way. And we, we planned it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let me try again. Pretend I didn't say the name of the podcast earlier. Here we go. Uh, this has been Drew. This has been Jeff. And you've been listening to Starship Podcast Warlock. Warlock. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs>